You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. You know, it's just wild how things just keep moving along. We are now in the month of August. Can you believe it? I do want you all to know, if you are not already aware... We have just uploaded the sixth class of Bride Ministries Institute. It is the um, Unlocking the Mystery of Prayer course. And I'm really excited about this class. This is a class I've only taught once. And it was available as a live teaching. Um, However... We have turned it into a course on Bride Ministries Institute so that all of you that missed it the first time can get it forever. And as with all of our courses at the Bride Ministries Institute, they're single purchase courses. You go on our website at bridemovement.com, go to the Bride Ministries Institute tab. You can buy whatever course you want and only take, you know, for now, the courses that matter to you. In the future, we'll be developing curriculums and attributing different curriculums to different goals. Uh, some will be leadership tracks, some will be DID coaching schools, some will be this. But right now, we are just in the process of producing and releasing the teachings and the content. I am going to give you an, uh, an update that we are preparing to record in the next couple of weeks the seventh course of the Bride Ministries Institute, which will be an introduction to inner healing. In this particular course, you are going to get information on the types of brokenness that exist, the nature of dissociation, how altars and parts work. You're going to learn about inner worlds and systems. You're going to learn about memory work and a number of other subjects. And so uh, for those of you that have really been looking forward to content on that level, that is coming with the introduction to inner healing course and look forward to that. But for now, take advantage of what we have, especially the advanced deliverance course, which discusses all of the deliverance prayers in the back of the book, Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth, and gives all of the mechanics behind why they work. Uh, revelation that we had to work hard to get. It was uh, it was derived over a lot of frontline work, figuring out what worked and what didn't and why certain things worked that didn't seem like they should or should have to. <laughs> Language that we didn't know we should have to use in our deliverance prayers, but found out that, nope, in fact, we did. So those are all available. I'm just really excited. I want to give a special shout out to my beautiful wife, Christian, who really is the reason why the Bride Ministries Institute is moving along at all. It's been a vision of mine for a long time, but she is the one that made the arrangements uh, early on this year and has pushed this thing, and, and <laughs> me included, to get this thing rolling. So with that said, I also want to just remind you guys, look, um, I, I apologize for those of you that go to Amazon and try to buy the book Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth. They've been habitually out of stock. Uh, I th- 
have given them a personal phone call to tell them to stock the book Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth. But you can always get it at our website. Um, there are 81 reviews at Amazon as of this recording. I am believing God for 100. Thank you. The 81 people that did leave a review on that book. You're amazing. And thank you for the extreme positivity and um, all of the love that you've been giving that book. And we want the love to keep giving. I, I believe that this book could change the world if enough believers got their hands on it and began to use the prayers, especially the deliverance prayers in the back, and untether themselves from this stuff. So we're trying to move that project along, get it exposure. And with that said, I'm going to just say a brief thank you to all of you that continue to support this ministry financially. By supporting us financially, you're enabling us to do this podcast. You are enabling us to spend the front-end money to build the Bride Ministries Institute. You are enabling us to do the Fireplace Church, to run our groups that you know continue throughout the week. Um, we offer survivor support groups, and we are underwriting the healing journeys of survivors. It's one of the things we do with the money that we raise. So when you sow into Bride Ministries, you are moving a lot of th things forward. And I'll tell you, when we get to the future, you are going to see some extraordinary things coming out of Bride Ministry. So with that said, thank you for those of you that support us. If you would like to support us, go to BrideMovement.com and find our Donate tab. I want to let you guys know that not only does Bride Ministries accept PayPal, credit cards, and checks and cash if you want to write our P.O. Box, we are now also accepting cryptocurrency donations. Yeah, if you have a Bitcoin or a Litecoin or even Ethereum and you want to give it to us, well, bless you and bless your heart. We will receive it. So with that said, we're going to get right to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Alright folks, we are sitting here ready, willing, and engaged for another episode of Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. I am introducing you to another voice, and we've been bringing on a lot of folks that have not been on this podcast before, but I'm telling you, uh, my guest today, Kimberly Daniels, has left her mark on the Christian church, uh, and she has just an incredibly powerful testimony. She has been ministering for for many years. She has also stepped out into her kingdom mandate, not only in the church, but outside of the church world as well. As a matter of fact, she is a former city council member in Jacksonville, Florida, and she is a current member of the Florida House of Representatives. She teaches in conferences around the country and also internationally, and she has a background in athletics and the military. Uh, she graduated from Florida State University and Jacksonville Theological Seminary and has written a number of books. One of them I'm holding in my hand called Breaking the Power of Familiar Spirits. Kimberly Daniels, thank you for joining me on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you. It's, a, it's an honor uh, to be with you today. Well, I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I, 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 I just really appreciate you as a person, as an instrument 
of Jesus Christ. And I want to begin this podcast with your testimony because you have an incredible testimony of overcoming. You know, uh, I years ago, whenever I would come across this passage, it talks about us being more than conquerors. Uh, I would say, you know, there's a there's there's a way to conquer, a, you know, in the love of God and overcome something. But then there's overcoming and I mean, shaming the devil in the process. And your story is just powerful because you are one of those above and beyond examples. And so I want to let you introduce us to Kimberly Daniels. Where did you start? How did God get a hold of you? And where has he taken you? Well, I don't, I, don't, um, I, I believe that when God said, talk to Jeremiah and say he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb, um, God's hand was on my life. I was always excelling in things. And I went to, uh, I became the fastest uh, female sprinter in the nation in junior college. Um, coming from a rough background in rough neighborhoods with rough circumstances and situations, I, I, I became the fastest female sprinter in the nation in junior college. Um, had scholarship offers all around the nation and chose to go to Florida State University where I was a member of one of the fastest four by one relay teams in the world. Um, from that uh, platform, three of the young ladies on that relay team went to the Olympics, but I went to the streets. I got addicted to drugs. How I got from being a world-class prima donna to standing on corners, um, doing drugs and all kind of uh, other uh, stuff, living that lifestyle is just, it's incredible to even think about that backwards transition. But I did. God uh, opened doors for me to get out of that lifestyle by going into the military where I excelled very well. I got to know Jesus there, and he hit me with a bolt of lightning. Um, I got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and immediately started impacting other lives. And as you mentioned, um, now as I sit in uh, the House of Representatives in Florida and look out across the Supreme Court a few streets away from where I used to get high and smoke dope, the only words that I can bring forth out of my mouth is only God. Hmm. How bad did it get? How bad did it get on drugs? It got bad enough where I was sitting in rooms by myself, uh, uh, so confused um, that the enemy was speaking to me and um, I wasn't matching anymore clothes. I just was, I became a street person. I remember sitting in dark rooms by myself and voices telling me, um, you'll never be nothing. I mean, literally, I remember one time running to a door, knocking on one of my neighbors in this bad neighborhood, I knocked on the, the one of the apartment doors because I thought I was geeking on drugs. I thought someone was in the house. And when I knocked on the door and I was like, help me, you know, can you, and when the man just looked out the door and saw me and he didn't open the door to help me, I was thinking to myself, why wouldn't this man help me? And then as I went back into that 
house that had no furniture. It was just a place I was a shell that I was living to survive. I heard a voice say, you know, you're a crackhead. You're a drug addict. I mean, who's going to open the door for you? And, and and by the way, there's nobody here but me and you. And i never forget that. And God delivered me from that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And I want to talk about that a little bit because some people think that a deliverance is going to happen, you know, the moment you get saved. It's just, you know, done. Uh, and in some cases, God will immediately take things away from people. And I've heard plenty of testimonies of that nature. Uh, most of the time, there's some stuff that needs to process out. God actually takes a person through a process. And what did it look like for you once God got his lightning bolt, like you said, and hit you, and got a hold of your life? I mean, how did that process of walking out of that lifestyle and into something new and, and getting free from all of the baggage look for you? There are some extreme cases like mine where it wasn't about the process. It was about the purpose for, de that, for deliverance that God had for my life. Um, I didn't have anyone that led me to the Lord. I didn't have anyone that took me to someone for prayer. I mean, literally the Holy Ghost jacked me, grabbed a hold of me. And just like the devil grabbed me and started speaking to me, God snatched me out of his hands. It was so supernatural. It was so, uh, uh, like a bolt of lightning. It was like, it was, I was so far deep into darkness. I was so far deep into darkness that the process way wasn't the way for me. All the walking in God, getting to know him, that was a process. That was a process mm -hmm. uh, 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 getting, getting to know God, getting to, to the process was learning how to be a believer. Wow. So, 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 but as far as bam, no more drugs, no more cigarettes, no more cursing, no more men, like a boat that when I say like a boat, the lightning, it's like, it's like God turned me from the incredible Hulk into the man that, that, uh, he was before he became the Hulk. So I, uh, I, I am saying I, I have, I have several cases of people that are close to me and that I know that have had this experience and it, it is so not all the time, but this is how my situation was. I mean, it was, I was the fastest woman in the military mm -hmm. for four years. I used to curse, fight the guys, swing starting blocks at them. I was a prima donna. They would put me in the, in the barracks because I could run so fast, lock me in the room and send my tray through the room. Cause you know, in the military, they can, they can, um, make you stay in your barracks. They can punish you by, uh, you know, making you stay in your room. And so I would get um, limited to, you know, just being in, in, only in my room and cussing so bad and fighting guys and, <laughs> and doing all of this. And then, I mean, a little terror, but I was extremely good at what I did. I was the fastest woman in the world in the military. So they just threw me in a room and let me get over my temper tantrums and then we'll put her out on the track to run. Well, I'll come back after I've got gotten after I have received this this lightning bolt in my life and 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 I'm quiet because I don't curse anymore I'm just and I'm the coach now I'm an after coach athlete 
and I got up on the bus and I told, because you got world-class athletes from around the world. You know, everybody looking like they stepped out of a mid- middle of a magazine, muscles and and just the best uh, in the world mm. in, the, in the Army. And I got in front of the bus and I said, you know, the other armed forces have new athletes from colleges, um, but we can do it. We can win this year. With Jesus, we can do it. Everybody was kind of quiet and looking at me like, oh, no. Don't come with that Jesus stuff, girl. You know, curse everybody out and cut up and, oh, absolutely not. It was like, yeah, all right, yeah. So they didn't believe me. So they kept watching me. Then they kept noticing I wasn't cussing them out. I wasn't fighting them. You know, I, I was, you know, I was reading my Bible. I, I was, and then they started coming to me one by one saying, we want what you have until almost every sprinter and every athlete on that team, there's about 15 of us, got saved. We didn't have anybody to preach to us. We were in the barracks. I would read a scripture. We didn't have no Bible study. The next person would read the scripture. And we ran around. You know, I got some religious folks that got offended by me saying this, but we were literally looking for Jesus. You know, this group of after practice. We, We weren't hungry just for working out or being champions. We wanted to know God. And we went to so many churches. And, I, and, and religious folk would have a problem. But in our minds, when we went there, he wasn't there. Mm. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, we said, well, he's not here. And this is what literally happened. I got in a back and forth with a preacher. God is wherever. I said, listen, I'm telling you my story. And I'm telling you from this supernatural experience and all of these athletes, in our book, he wasn't there. He wasn't what we were looking for. Not downplaying anybody or anything. And one day, this one girl um, came to me, and she was a more kind of tomboyish type girl. She didn't have any dresses. And she told me, I found the church where God is. And we was like, what do you mean? Like, we got to go. And she said, well, you buy me a dress. We thought we had to have dresses to go to church. So we we go from track practice. We run. Everybody's fighting to get in the cab because we're in Presidio, California training. We don't live there. We're just in a camp. We're fighting to get in three cabs. Don't leave me. We get to the church. It's a little uh, wooden church, and there's this young pastor with a Gumby haircut. And you know, a really cool-looking guy. They had they had some mass choir there, and our eyes are bugging out of our head, and we we're like, immediately walking in the door. Yes, God is here, and none of us knew anything about uh, God. None of us went to church, but this lady was preaching. They were singing. They ministered to us. I was crying, which I never do. And I was thinking to myself, why am I crying in front of all my athletes? You know, I'm the coach. And then then they said, what can we do for you? And out of my mouth came, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't even know what the Holy Ghost is. But making a long story short, the lady was a prophet who was speaking. And she said, there are five, there are three women in here with five-fold ministries, and God is going to send you to the nation. Guess who was the last one that thought I was one of those? I was like, wow, whoever she is, that ought to be nice, you know. I never thought me, me. But when I look back, and after um, God brought me out where I wasn't running track anymore, pulled me off out of that arena, and I became a preacher in the military, started winning souls, and, you know, really walked away from from track and field and started working for Jesus. That's how much I fell in love with God. I walked away from my heart throb, which was track and field. My goodness. I mean, and 
look, I agree with you because I have been to church. I, I, I remember uh, there was, you know, some churches where you just go in and like the spirit of the Lord is so heavy and thick. And it's like, oh, you know, I can breathe. It's just wonderful. Other places step in and it's kind of kind of constricted, kind of hard to breathe, as a matter of fact, especially when the religious spirit is so heavy. That, that could be one of the worst kind of witchcraft spirit sometimes sits over churches. And I could have this conversation with you all day long. I totally, totally uh, understand what you're, what you're communicating. And, uh, you know, the Bible actually does talk about the spirit of the Lord departing in certain passages. Um, and one of them is regarding Saul, folks. Uh, he, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul in 1 Samuel 16, 14. And so while we have like, you know, individually, we have this ceiling, like there, there are times where the spirit of the Lord does depart church buildings and groups when they kick them out. And it's, uh, it's always sad when that's the case. I want to ask you about where you got the revelation that you were going to pursue, you know, a, a, a mandate in Jesus Christ both inside and outside of the church. Because I believe that you are operating, Kimberly, in a revelation of kingdom, meaning that God's government wants to, I mean, God wants to extend his governmental influence because he is a king in all different spheres of society. And so not only did you, you know, receive this call to ministry and and ultimately stepped out into it, but also into politics. I mean, where did that thinking come from for you? Well, um, first of all, let let me say this. When we were, and I want to just piggyback and then catch up, when we were saying that we didn't feel God, I I don't think it was actually a lot of the churches that God had actually left, though it may have been that. But, But what we were dealing with is that we didn't have what we needed at the time. You know, they didn't have the power of God that was needed to transform our lives. I mean, we we just, I can't even explain it because we didn't know what to look for. And so that went on to me leaving. I left that arena. I mean, that year I left the camp. Um, I got injured and I left in the middle of the night, walked away from track and field. I, I went back to Germany. And when I went to Germany, um, you know, that's where I was stationed, where I was operating in my military uh, capacity. And, you know, there was a lot of religious entities on the post and religious organizations. And I remember all the church girls, I would call them, they would be sitting in the mess hall. And, you know, I'm still smoking cigarettes, by the way. Um, um, I hadn't, that's one thing that didn't go, it probably took like a two months. And so I'm still smoking cigarettes. I gave my life to the Lord a couple of months before I really, you know, got delivered, delivered, but I accepted Jesus in my heart. And I'm sitting smoking this cigarette and asking these girls about the Holy Ghost. Can y'all tell me about the Holy Ghost? You know, and they looking at me like, well, we wouldn't even tell anybody like you about the Holy Ghost. So I was, and I told them, listen, this is the deal. Since y'all don't know about the Holy Ghost, I said, I said, I'm going to go find out about him. And when I do, I'm going to come back and tell you so you know what to tell people when they need to know about him. So Kenneth Hagen had this camp meeting. I just got back from being four or five months over in, in training, 
and I go to my commander. My stepmom called me and said, we're going to Kenneth Hagen's camp meeting at Daddy Hagen. Everybody's going to be there. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be there because I'm hungry for God. She said, girl, you're crazy. You can't do that. We planned for a year. You just spent all your money. You don't have no leave. I went in and told my commander this. I said, listen, God has touched my life. If I don't get to this meeting in, in, in America, I'm not going to make it. And for some reason, this commander gave me, I was negative 30 days leave. He gave me 30 days leave with negative. I had no leave. I had to leave God for money. If I was in a BMW in Germany, it broke down. I got out and hitchhiked to the airport. When I got to Jacksonville, my Mercedes broke down. I called a ride to the airport and I got on that plane. Everything fought me to get on that plane. And when I got there, I went to Kenneth Hagen's camp meeting and I'm seeing people praising God in an atmosphere for the first time like this. And I'm thinking, wow, I, it's a new culture for me. It's a new atmosphere but I am on fire for God. And after the first meeting, we're on, we're on buses, and I was on a bus, and the bus next to me was just like jumping. People were praising God. I was on like a kind of dead bus. Went to my room, because we were like four in a room, and they said, oh, they're having an after party on the eighth floor. And I thought to myself, well, no, I just, I'm suffering from jet lag. I'm going to bed. And a voice said, no, you're not. You're going on the eighth floor. And when I got to the eighth floor, um, there were Baptists. This was Baptist people, but they were spirit-filled. They were in this room in the Embassy Suites Hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, on the eighth floor. And when I went in there, they were praying. When I stepped in, I was hesitant because I'd run into something I'd never run into before, the power of God. And so I was standing there, they were singing in the Holy Ghost, and they were praying in the Spirit, and I started feeling, although I was happy to be there, very uncomfortable. Then this tall black guy stepped in, and he gave a, somebody gave a tongue, and he gave an interpretation, and the interpretation was, there is an unclean spirit amongst us. Now, I didn't, I didn't need a prophet to tell me it was me because I was the only one that wasn't speaking in tongues and flowing like this. And he said, if you want to be delivered, step out into this circle. And I stepped into the middle of everybody. And I'm telling you, I don't remember much after that. I know I was thrown and slung and, and, and I got up speaking in tongues and I left that room and I went and sat in front of the mirror and I prayed in tongues to make sure it was me. Cause in my mind, somebody like me can't have power or an experience with God like this. So I the, I, the next day I didn't go to the meeting, I sat praying in tongues. And that was the beginning of, and a few months from that, I was writing Kenneth Hagin, going to, uh, I'm a Desert Storm veteran, getting ready to go to war, Operation Desert Storm, and uh, Kenneth Hagin Ministry sent me literature and Bibles, tons and tons, and I literally, I didn't have time to go to Bible school, I didn't have time to get a degree from a theological seminary, I didn't have time to be ordained, I was out there evangelizing immediately, uh, giving material, leading people to the Lord. I, I remember um, we were in Saudi Arabia doing the war, and they would have this long line for fried chicken because there was no American food. Over, we didn't even have barracks. We were living in like uh, big hangars, uh, uh, airplane hangars. And there was this long line, and it would be three, four, five o'clock in the morning. And I would go down that line, 
leading people to the Lord all night long. And that was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced in my life is just being slam dunked by the Holy Ghost when nothing else matters but his will. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So continue the story because, uh, I mean, you ultimately did go to theological seminary. As a matter of fact, you ultimately uh, became a city council member and... I mean, now you sit in the Florida House of Representatives. I I, I, I want to know how the Lord worked that kind of thing in your life. Well, um, I came back to Jacksonville. Um, I got I, I I was pregnant with with my my daughter, and uh, I got out of the military on the chapter eight, which is a pregnancy. Came back, and I came back and I started a center for girls on drugs. Um, Supernatural. I had 15 girls off the streets like I was, and no federal money, no grants, just, and I was making $8.90 an hour, and God provided Supernatural. That's where, that's where he taught me to believe him. When I'm just not believing him for me, but I'm believing him for not only my children, my family, but, but for these 15 young ladies, and that was a great time in my life. Um, but that church, that, that ministry to girls became a church, um, that church, um, out of that church, I ha- had an international ministry, uh, writing books for Charisma, you know, connecting with Dr. C. Peter Wagner and becoming a, um, a keynote speaker in the midst of Sidney Jacobs, Dr. C. Peter Wagner, Chuck Pierce, and, and all of that, that group, and traveling around the world, you know, uh, huge crowds, selling books, and I was coming back from Hong Kong. Um, and I was uh, had a quick turnaround. Went to Hong Kong and turned back five days. So that's serious, Jake Lag, to, to to come back like that. I fell asleep by three a.m. in the morning. I had this vision, and it was dark. In the vision, it was all dark black. I didn't see nothing, but I heard a voice, and I heard God say um, that this lady that I was helping to raise money for mayor in Jacksonville, Florida, that sh- that she was going to get off the ballot, and that I was to get on. She was running for mayor, hmm. and I was and, and in a dream. I wish I could say, "Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord." I was like, "God, this is crazy." Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna. I don't know. I didn't know anything about politics. I didn't know anything about the seat. I knew nobody. But in the midst of that dream, my phone rang for real on the side of my bed. Woke me up, and it was a lady at 3 a.m. saying, "This is me. I'm getting off the ballot." I hung the phone up immediately because it scared me. It's too much. And the Lord said, you pick that phone up and tell her what, what I said. Well, she got off the ballot for mayor, and I got on the ballot, and I became, in two months, My I gosh. got 93,000 votes. And, I became a, in a, and I'm a Democrat in a Republican seat. A African-American female never held a citywide seat in my city. And I won 93,000 votes and got that seat and made history. Didn't just win, made history. Did one term, did got you know at nine. She, I got in because they didn't know me. After they left, they attacked. They came every kind of way. They did everything they could to kill me because I, you know I stood for Jesus. <laughs> so I lost my reelection. Didn't know that when I lost the reelection, within months I got on the ballot for the House of Representatives and won. And now I sit um, 
I sit in my office looking across the uh, Supreme Court a few streets over where I used to do drugs and wave down cars and hang out on the street. And now I'm a member, one of 120 members, um, over 20 million people, the third largest state in America in the House of Representatives. <laughs> it's just incredible. Folks, so this is what I'm talking about. And, and a number of you listening to this podcast are going to have familiarity with Kimberly Daniels. Um, I mean, you, you are certainly my senior in the kingdom. And I uh, I want to get into uh, your understanding, actually, of kingdom and, and how God influences the earth through his people. I mean, how do you look at God's agenda uh, for earth at this point? Well, it's, it's real simple to me. Hmm. You know, I don't get into the, the theological debates. All I know is that the kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violent become take it by force. We are God's representatives in the earth realm, and we got a lot of problems and concerns in the church, but there ain't no problems in the kingdom. And we need people who are kingdom-minded. And when you're kingdom-minded, it's not about just our agendas. You know, there are sacrifices that have to be made. I'm telling you, it will be a lot easier for me to travel around right now and, and, and fly first class and stay in five-star hotels and, and be the keynote speaker and sit at tables and get praised and sign books than to be on the front lines of warfare um, dealing with the principalities and the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places in the political arena. And so, see, see, this is where the rubber hits the road. And God is calling us. It's just like um, this thing about separation of church and state is foolishness. I mean, you cannot separate the church and the state because the state came out of the church in America. And, and I'm one that I, I, I do, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like there are people um, from other agendas that are not of God, they vote them into office and they expect them to support their agendas. And God is bringing people with a kingdom perspective who will, re although we represent all the people, I don't, I would not represent a Muslim. I would not represent a homosexual. I would not represent people that are in my community, but God will give us the balance in knowing how to represent people and still maintain a position concerning the kingdom agenda that God has because he has to have his representatives in the earth realm to do the work that he wants done. Amen. <laughs> You're saying it. You're right. And uh, I love that. I love that. And I love that thinking. And and this is what the body of Christ needs, you know. And I think that, you know, in, in some things, uh, the body of Christ has been a little bit confused and small-minded. Uh -huh. Small-minded. Because we think that God is going to do the full extent of his plan if we're just faithful to uh, be Christian in our church and pray. Uh, but sometimes we need to pray so that space opens up and God moves his people into areas of influence where all of the prayers are getting grounded out. 
You know, you know, there's a Greek word, and it's in my book, uh, Breaking the Talk. It's called oligosuchos. Uh-huh. And, and, and there's a lot of different states of the soul. Um, um, in, in one of the sections, we have a section about and oligosuchos is on page 12, and it means to be small-minded. Um, uh, states of the mind, daisuchos, it means to be double-minded. Uh, Sunsukos, it means to be joined at the soul or to have a soul tie. And isosukos, you know, sukos mean mind, being minded. It means to be like-minded. And when it comes to the kingdom, we need to connect. We don't just need to just connect, but we need to connect with people that are like-minded. You know, when two or more touch and agree, you know, God can do awesome things. One can put a thousand of light to 10,000, and that touching and agreeing literally means to form a circuit that God can flow through. Now, now, I, when, when God sent me to, and, and when I tell you every force in hell said, oh, no, she's not going to the House of Representatives, every force in hell, but heaven said yes. Hmm. And the heavens opened up, and I and 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 I believe that the lines of the spirit fall upon us in sweet and agreeable places. And as we touch and agree with each other in the earth realm, the Bible says we're touching and agreeing with what's already taking place in heaven. And that's what the kingdom is about. When when what's going on in heaven starts to start looking like what's going on down in the earth realm. And so I was thinking, okay, God, you bring me here, and I come out of this fight. You know, I'm not, I'm not, my arms aren't cut off. My legs aren't come up, but I got some bandages. You know, I got some <laughs> wounds. And I'm going to the House of Representatives, and this is a real good story right here. And, and I'm thinking, like, thank you, Jesus. And I'm, and I'm very uncomfortable with, I mean, the House of Representatives is so much decor, and it's, and it's uh, a place of civility, and it's just, you know, and I'm just trying to find how does a demon buster fit in at the House of Representatives? So I'm sitting back and I'm quiet because I got to learn how to shift, how to adjust, not so that I could just be a demon buster, but to be effective. So I sit back and, I, and I'm going to sleep after the first few nights there, and the Lord comes to me in my sleep and said, I want you to do a bill to put prayer back in school. And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, can you can you at least let me get broken in, God? You want me to go, and the first bill I file is a freshman Democrat with a 79-41 Republican leadership, you know, 79 Republican, 41 Democrats, and I'm one of the 41 you know, I'm I'm the least in the house, and, and and believe me, I'm probably the least like Democrat in the midst of the Democrats. Okay, so I feel like um, I feel like uh, um, Gideon. No, I'm not just the least in the city. You know, uh huh. I'm yeah. the least. Smallest the tribe, least. smallest house, I'm the last smallest guy. guy. No, the smallest in the mm. tribe, not mm. just the smallest mm. tribe. So then I, um, and, and literally I was praying in tongues when I pushed the button because <laughs> when I push the button, it goes public. So it goes public. And this very nice lady, she's a Democrat, she comes up to me after I push the button and she said, hello. And I said, hi. And she says, they want you uh, to get rid of your bill. I said, what do you mean? Uh, they don't want you to keep this bill. They want you to get rid of it. Whatever the word was, she, I don't remember at the time what she said. I said, well, first of all, 
who are they? And why do they want me to give this bill? She said, well, the Jewish uh, representatives, uh, they don't, you know, it offends them, Jesus, you know, and prayer, and you're going to put that on them. And I said, well, well, can you ask whoever the head person is to come and see me? They said, yeah, they wanted to sit down and talk to you. So he comes in my office. I'm sitting in my chair looking out at the Supreme Court. He comes in, such a nice, pleasant guy. And he said, well, you know, we don't like when you pray in the name of Jesus. And and uh, and we just kind of, you know, respectfully want to ask you to, can you not? Uh, that's not the democratic way and whatever. And I was like, okay. I said, so you're a member of the prayer caucus. We had a prayer caucus that meets once a month, once a week early, I think Wednesday or Tuesday morning, one of them. And I, he said, yes, I am. I said, you know, and I really want to get to be, and I did something that I would never do because I'm so radical and I'm so, I'm such a fighter. And if anybody say anything to me about not praying in Jesus name, it's on and popping. Okay. So, so he says this to me and I said, you know what? I really want to get to be able to pray with you and to get to know you better. And, and I did, I actually did get to know him, but I said, let me explain this to you. I said, what I'm going to do is I can pray in so many ways when I pray with you. I don't have to beat you down with the name of Jesus. I can pray in so many ways. And if I can help it when we're praying during that time, I'm not just going to offend you in prayer. I said, but let me say that. I said, you see those corners right down there? I said, I used to be a prostitute and drug addict right on those streets. And the only reason why I'm sitting here in front of you now is because of Jesus. And I said, you know, the Christians that, the holy rollers, the tongue talkers, the prophesiers. I said, I am that girl. I mean, all you ever feared in a Christian, I am. I said, but 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 I believe that we're gonna, you know, meet somewhere in the middle of the road because I'm not pulling this bill because God sent me here and it's gonna pass. And do you know that by the by the time that we that the house had to pray every jew that was against that bill prayed for it no i mean excuse me they voted for it my god only god Amen. only god could do that and i give him it's not this is not a see this is not a kim daniels thing i mean who what 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 manner of woman could do stuff like this i'm just a simple person with a real big God, when he say he wants something done in the earth realm, he needs an empty vessel that won't look to the left, won't look to the right, or worry about what Peter, Paul, and whoever else has to say about it in the religious community, because those are the hardest ones to get things done past. Religion is the biggest demon that I talk about in my book called Familiar Spirits. Well, Talk to us about the demon of religion, the spirit of religion, the oppression of religion. All this, I mean, because it's it, it needs to be said, uh, it needs to be exposed, it needs to be called out, it needs to be articulated. Talk to me. Uh, what is it? How have you confronted it? And what is it doing? Well, religion, you know, the Bible said it's a form of godliness that denies the power. Religion is the spirit that stops revival, the Ruach of God, from coming in. You know, religion mimics God, and it's a counterfeit 
of God. So people are so busy being religious that they never get what God wants them to have spiritually. And an example of religion, I can, I can, man, I can go all day long with this, um, but an example is um, I was with a friend, just saved, and I just done my first book. And I was writing on, I just done my first book, and we were talking about Joseph, right? And uh, so I was talking about Joseph, my boy, from the pit to the palace, you know. And then this is somebody from the streets that says, well, well, Joseph did divination, so what do you have to do? But I said, don't you say that about Joseph, he didn't do no divination. You know, he said, yes, he did, it's right here in the Bible. And when I look in the Bible, see, so, and, and it's not that we're religious, but the spirit of religion can blind us in the church, but somebody outside the church can see stuff we can't see. So in, 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 in Genesis 40 and 15, um, it, you know, when Pharaoh asked, when they, when they asked, excuse me, when they asked Joseph to interpret the dream, he says, oh, it would only be by the power of God. I'm just a man, but my God will give me the answer. That's the, but, but from there to Genesis 41, I think around 15, after they brought Joseph's brother back and they put the the um, cup in the bag and they pull the cup out and Joseph say, why did you take this cup? Don't you know that I would know through divination that you did this? So something happened to Joseph from I will know by the power of God till I will know by divination he was indoctrinated into the system because even though it was a, it was a, 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 a system of the world, it was a system of religion because they had their beliefs in witchcraft and divination and somehow Joseph had slipped over during that time, but that's why he told them get my bones out of Egypt and, I, and, and Isaiah warned us, don't think you can go down to Egypt that's that familiar spirit that that's so familiar with the world like we can be like the world and do everything the world do and, but but the bible says if you go into the the strong man's house you can spoil the goods and that's what we do as kingdom-minded people to spoil the goods it means to go in and get what god has for you and come out without the demons that are assigned to it You know, that that's a very interesting point. And I, I just looked up this passage that you're referencing. And um, yes, it, Genesis 44, 15 is, I mean, he says it. <laughs> what deed is this you have done? Did you not know that such a man as I can certainly practice divination? I, you know, Kim, I, I'm guilty <laughs> of reading right over that because I've read that before, too. I, I mean, I was cruising right through. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course not. <laughs> Wow. But you're making a really, really good point. Okay. You know, interestingly enough, you actually have a chapter in your book called Diva Nation. And I, I, I was kind of chuckling to myself as I was reading. What an interesting chapter title. Uh, and so even though it's a little bit of a break from where you just went, uh, I do want to let you talk a little bit about that relative to your book, Breaking the Power of Familiar Spirits. Well, diva, of course, we're all familiar with the term. And guess what? Let, let me put this in. And you know, I know I'm talking to a very spiritually mature audience, but so I mean this. I'm not trying to make anybody feel good. 
I'm not saying that people call themselves diva, they're going to bust hell wide open. I am saying if you are a woman of God uh, and, and if you're operating the things of God, you will get less than God has for you by calling yourself a diva. Now, a diva, you know, they've taken it off the Internet, but it, the, the definition used to be a female goddess or a woman who is worshipped. And, and my point is, you know, not trying to be too deep, but just putting it right where I am, that I don't want to be a woman who is worshipped. I want to be a worshiper. You can't be worshipped and be a worshiper. And so, you know, it, it sounds good. Why we got to be divas? Why we can't be a virtuous woman? There's a whole chapter on how you could be the baddest woman in creation, and you ain't got to be a diva. So, so that's my point, and that's just an example of familiar spirits and familiarity, how the church is so close to the world that we begin to take on their sayings and, and take on their spirits. And now we got diva conferences, you know, and I think that we need to sit back and think about it a little bit. Now, if you want to be a diva in the church, God bless you. I'm just saying, for those women who want the untapped, unadulterated, power of God operating in their lives and to be all that God wants them to be. I can't walk around and have dreams and visions and prophesy and cast out demons and be calling myself a, 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 a diva demon buster, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, let's pick up on that term, demon buster. Uh, you went through your own deliverance, clearly, Uh and then God took you. I mean, I'm just like, wow, you know, I mean, the, the divine connections, the calling on your life, the way he's positioned you. I mean, around great men and women of God that have done all kinds of incredible things internationally and so forth. Uh, how did you get into the uh, I mean, ministry of demon busting? I mean, first of all, what does that look like? How does that play out in your ministry? And, uh, you know, what are some of the things that that's taught you, like like engaging on that level? Well, um, I didn't go to a, a um, refresher course, a beginner course, or I was thrown into the lion's den of deliverance. I was I, it was doing Operation Desert Storm. I was back um, um, in Germany, not overseas, not in the midst of the war, but I stayed back. I came back with the the women who were pregnant. So the only people that were back there were pregnant women and, you know, just people that were sick, you know, or stuff like that. And and I was the I was the sergeant in charge. And I had this little newly saved, I had this little girl with me who had been saved longer than me. She was a she was a corporal, but I was a like a E six. Um, she was a corporal and but she was seeing the spirit. She would see stuff. I couldn't see stuff like that, you know. And then she would tell me, oh, the devil right there. You know, and I, I kind of like, okay, because I kind of appeased her. And and then, and, and so um, a, the ba baby started dying in the barracks. We started having crib death uh, in the barracks. And one of the girls who didn't like me, she was higher ranking than, than I was. She had more rank. She did not like me. She came up to me in the, in the, at the military store, and she said, you know, I really didn't like you. She said, um, and, and I just want to apologize to you. She said, but everybody says that you're some kind of witch or something like that. And, uh, but all I know is that everything you say come to pass. She said, my baby is dying in the hospital. 
would you come over and pray for my baby? And I was like, praise God, hallelujah. You know, I'm ready for another assignment. I bring this little girl with me. She had a patch over her eye. The girl did. Mm. She had like a patch over her eye. Mm -hmm. And so, and then when she had the patch on, I got to, well, how did you get And the little girl pulled on me that she in the spirit. She said, I saw the devil standing over her and he cut her eye with a sword when she was sleeping. And I saw her room, her, her night, her bed was here to the T, her nightstand was here. And so I, I just said what the little girl said. I said, well, when you were sleeping last night, the devil cut your, I just said what the little girl in your bed was here and your nightstand was here and you got left. And she said, oh my God, how did you know? And I'm looking like, I don't know how I know. I just said what she said. And then, uh, so these religious people, we hitting this religious spirit that were on post, came in. They didn't like me because people were leaving the church and coming to my little barracks. Bible study where people were getting healed and delivered. I didn't have no license. And they came on, you better stop having them their meetings, you know. Um, so they, I mean, they were threatening me. So the little religious deacons or whatever, they came into the room where the girl was and I was. It was in a, in a Frankfurt Hospital in Germany, military hospital. And so I just said, praise God, let's pray. So as we began to hold hands, and I started praying in tongues after I had been filled with the Holy Ghost. I already went back to the religious girl, told him about the Holy Spirit. Now I'm a real fool for Jesus. Now I'm praying in tongues. I got the power of God. I started praying. Everybody closed their eyes. And when we start praying, the girl with the patch over her eye, the patch comes off. She falls on the ground. And I, I hear a noise, but I don't know where the noise is coming from. And so she looks up like the exorcist, cuts on her face, smoke coming out of her mouth, and she says with a gross voice, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. And she's saying these religious things, but out of this demonic gross voice, all of these little deacon, deacon men, they're back on the wall running. They, don't know, they can't get out because she's in front of the door. They're back on the wall. <laughs> Okay, I'm standing there. I've never seen this before. So I look down, and I hear a voice say, in my name, they'll cast out devils. I look at the little seer, and I said, I just heard somebody casting out devils. She said, I think that's in the Bible. She said, well, call, call it out in Jesus' name. And so when I look down, I said, Jesus. And when I say, Jesus, the girl jumped a little bit. I'm starting to get comfortable now. You're like, Jesus. I'm like, wow. I can say the name of Jesus, and some stuff is happening. And then I, here come the nurses coming down the hall. Mind you, I'm in my military uniform, staff sergeant type, okay? The little girl is a corporal. She's two ranks under me. I'm a non-commissioned officer. And then I, I'm thinking, here come the nurses. God, they're going to put me out the military. The Lord says, command that door to be locked. I, I pointed at the door and said, in the name of Jesus, they cannot come in the door. The nurses were outside the door. I know 50, we're coming in there. You know, you know, they would not come in that door. And I, I started casting demons out of this girl because I was thinking to myself, they're going to put her in the mental institution. These are demons. This is my first revelation. So so um, I talked to the nurse and said, oh, she's okay. She's got a little, you know, hot. So I, and, and by this time, they leave the room, and I'm taking the girl down the hall. Her head is rolling on her body, and she's growling. Her head is rolling around, you know, not turning around, but rolling, you know, just like, mm. her, you know, her head is not stable. She's growling, and I'm walking, and I'm telling the corporal, get my car. So I'm going to take, in my mind, 
Mm. This is how crazy God had me. I'm, I don't know about this, but I'm going to take her home and practice on her, okay? I'm going to take her to my apartment and practice on her. By the time I try to stuff her in my car, these big sergeants come up and say, Soldier, halt! And, 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 and they take her back into the emergency room and put her in a room in the emergency room part. And I'm saying, that's it. They didn't say nothing to me. I'm getting out of here. And and then the little little uh, corporal says to me, God says that we have to go back. I said, no, you ain't going to tell me what God said. I got more rank than you. I'm not going back in there because this thing is getting, I'm not losing my rank and getting court-martialed over this. And so we go into the to the closet in the hall and the and pray. And um, as we go in to pray, we um, ask God, what do you want? Show, show us a sign? So we come out of the closet, and guess what? The nurse comes out of this girl's room that she's in, the emergency room, and says, "You two soldiers, come here and guard this soul, guard this patient." Wow! <laughs> they asked us to come in and guard the lady that was demon possessed. I am having fun now. I'm not scared anymore because something is telling me, girl, God with you, you know. And so when I come into the room, the girl is laying down. She sits straight up on the bed when I walk in the room, turns her head around, and I am and I look, and I'm kind of joking, and I'm saying, we're back because I'm not scared now. And the girl looks at me with demonic eyes and say, I know you. I see a vision of a red hand, and I'm thinking, God, you want me to put my hand on her back? I put my hand on the back. These demons come out of her, and she's totally set free and delivered. And that's how I became a demon buster. It's such a good story. <laughs> do, 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 do you think I can make this up? I mean, it, oftentimes the, it's better just to tell what actually happened because those are the best stories. I I love it, uh, but that was just that was just the beginning. Because I mean, you have a number of books and, and uh, a lot of them touching on on spiritual warfare in different capacities. And uh, I mean, what what did that do to your worldview? First of all, I didn't have a world view. Mm. I had a Kim view. Ah. I was a prima donna, world class sprinter. Everything revolved around Kim. Mm. I didn't. I didn't know nothing about politics. I didn't care who the president was. Um, um, everything was success in my life. I'm the fastest. I was homecoming queen in junior high school, president student council in junior high. Homecoming queen in high school, president student council in in high school fastest woman in the in the in the nation in junior college fastest woman in the world in the military i just had this view that i could do anything and and i was doing a lot of it not even knowing god and i know but when god you know with all of this enthusiasm and whatever i had that was getting all this stuff done in my life when it when i connected it with the holy ghost and his purpose and who he was and girl you ain't nothing and god is everything um then I began to understand the kingdom and understand who I really was and understand why I went through some of the stuff that I went through. Now, talk to me about how you balance, right, uh, being a female 
that is called and operating in Christianity where there is still, you know, some imbalance, right? Because you have on one hand uh, certain groups that still believe, hey, you know, uh, women need to just sit down, um, unfortunately. And and other groups, right, that, that are actually moving more towards the, the whole feminism and it's mm-hmm. in response. And I, and I, renounce, and I renounce both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's in response to some of the, you know, uh, f- feelings of, all right, we, we haven't been treated right, we haven't been received, we have a calling to... How do you balance these two things as you navigate your own call? Okay, um, in the Bible, I mean, in the in the book that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. um, there is an entire chapter chapter on gender familiarity. So there's there's an entire chapter that goes through every five full gifts, and it talks about how women fit into God's plan. So the way I balance it is that these people are absolutely, can I just say it? How I, how I, because they are crazy mm. in my, in my, in my eyes. I, they have no validity. They are unlearned. They, they, I mean, that's just it. I have no disrespect for them, but if you can't look in the Bible and see how Deborah judged all of Israel and you can't see how, um, uh, I mean, at the different examples of the women uh, that I, I I go through, uh, um, uh, it's just it's just it's just no question as to when you know that God called you. I I can tell you a story about how they did me when I first got saved. But when I go back to being a little girl who was raised by a blind grandmother, my grandmother and grandfather were born on the. Uh, were, were met each other in prison in Rayford where they had the chain gang, like one of the biggest prisons during, you know, a long time ago when, when black people were second-class citizens. My grandfather and my grandmother met uh, in prison. My grandmother was blind in both eyes. She lost both eyes fighting one at a time. Um, she was a very... I mean, she used to, as I was a little girl, I, I I was her eyes, and I would lead her up to people when she would cut them, and the blood would pop on me, you know, when she cut people. You know, I stood there when she cut my grandfather's chest wide open. And all, all of, and, I, and I read her dream books because my grandma dibbled in uh, voodoo and into, not into the deep part, but just the part where she did the numbers and, and she blew smoke in folk face to get him out of jail. And she was a very spiritual person without Jesus. And so I was her eyes. I read her dream books. You know, tell me what, go go to the part where if a woman is naked, what does that mean? Oh, that means somebody going to get married. And whatever that is, I learned to read at four or five years old reading witchcraft books. So when people tell me about what I'm not called to do, I have very little patience, time, or tolerance, even to entertain them, because I know if God called me, just putting it plain and simple, no Greek, no Hebrew, no line upon line, I know if God called me, he called other women. And how spoken word ministry started, I was in Germany, Um, I'm a little further along now, Um, staff sergeant at the end of my tour, and I'm going to a church um, in Germany, I love my church, they had a prison outreach, 
there was a female chaplain that was over the church. I loved her. Chaplain Owens was her name. Um, they they have a, a, a Saturday, and they said, oh, you're going to the prison. And I'm like, I'm thinking at, at, at um, Mannheim, military prison. Oh, I'm, this is about an hour and a half away from, from where I am. I just got a brand-new van. So excited that I'll, I'll get to go as a safe person to prison. We should just go and visit people, friends, family, family, friends. So when I get to the parking lot that we met in Germany, um, I'm the only lady there. And these guys are looking at me saying, uh, you can't go. I was like, why? Um, you're a lady. I was like, I didn't get it because I'm not church. What do you mean? Well, you can't ride with us. I said, well, can I follow you? Yeah, you can follow us. And we're on the Audubon with no speed limit. They got the, the, the pedal to the metal. And I'm scared on the Audubon. I'm crying, literally, because I don't never drive that fast. They're trying to leave me. I got to keep up with them because if they lose me, um, I don't know how to get back home. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm crying, and I'm following them. They're making all of these. They, and then when they, we get to the prison, and I make it, and I'm sitting there wiping my tears because I'm so scared. I, we go up to the door uh, where they're checking people in, showing IDs, and the guys look at uh, me and say, she's not with us. I'm thinking like, what do they mean I'm not with them? And so they take them in, and I'm about to go out to my car, and one of the, 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 the wardens or one of the guys said, hey, come here. And he said, give me your ID card. And he takes me over to the other side where the women are and takes me in from cell to cell to cell, and I pray for the women. And then I go into an office and meet with a guy after that, and he said, I'm so sorry what these guys did to you. He said, but they'll never come back again, and we're giving this ministry to you. And that's how Spoken Word Ministry started. So I took over the prison ministries, and they never let those guys come back again. Wow. That that speaks for itself. Uh, you know, I was um, actually talking about uh, some of these subjects at um, our our internet meeting, the Fireplace Church, uh, we, we get together on the internet every uh, Sunday evening. And, um, you know, I was, I'm talking about establishing the government and we got into women's ministry. And I said, you know, God actually works through similar patterns, um, Old and New Testament. I mean, much of the Old Testament, you find types and shadows of what's being revealed in the light of Christ. And in the New Testament, you find this passage where it says, you know, and he's building his church, his ecclesia, upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And I said, well, you see this shadow in the Old Testament as God is dealing with Israel, bringing them out of Egypt. And there was a rock, and from that rock sprang living water, and the rock followed him. And I said, you know, the rock was Christ. And he was there. He was with Israel in the wilderness. But you had an apostolic office being sat in by Moses, who was a judge and a deliverer of Israel in that time. And you also had his brother Aaron, who was a high priest, and the prophet. The prophet. And I was like, but no one really looks at it like that because the prophet just so happened to be Miriam, Moses' sister. Wow. A woman. 
So the sitting prophet on the establishment of the house, the governing body, the Israel that God desired to use at that time to spread his influence to all the nations of the earth. So he said in Deuteronomy 28, obey my laws and I will set you high above all the nations of the earth. That group, he established it with a rock and apostle type in shadow in Moses and a prophet. And it was Miriam. And everyone looks at Miriam and they love to say, oh, but see, she went into jealousy and she had to be put out of the camp and she got leprosy and they had to pray and bring her in. So there goes your woman ministry. And it's like, hold on. But what about Aaron who made a golden calf? I mean, they both messed up. And they both... It wasn't sex, yeah. (laughs) And they both stepped into restoration. But they were all used. And Miriam was a prophet. She was a prophetess. And so, you know, uh, there is a pattern all throughout Scripture. You know, God uses men. God uses women. Um, And uh, there's a whole lot of conversation you can have about specific New Testament passages, some of which we get into, but I'm not going to crack open in this interview. You know, um, I, I, I certainly appreciated some of the conversation that you were having in your book, Breaking the power of familiar spirits. Now, I know that I don't get you for two hours here, Kim, and I'm very grateful for the time that you have given to me. So before I conclude this program, do you have any final thoughts or things that you would like to release to my audience? Yeah, um, I just want to say that, you know, that that gender familiarity, you know, the enemy wants us to be uh, ignorant um, of not just his devices, but of but of God's gifts. Mm. And women are not only used by God, you know, because but because of the enmity, the enmity that God put in in, in the woman, she is a literal weapon against darkness. And and see, all of the dark side understand that in the Council of 13, the highest level witches in the world, it's going to be women. Because the devil understands the power of women because they have a womb and the ability to reproduce. And that's a spiritual thing. And it's something that God put there. God pit the woman and the enemy. And that's why there's another level of something that's there and... A real man of God will take advantage of that weapon. You know, the Bible says that the, the the wife is the crown of her husband. And I say every king needs to wear his crown because that's symbolic of his authority. And that word, that word um, my apostle John Eckhart is my pastor, and he's very good for releasing women. That kail, that, that warfare, that virtue, that's on the inside of a woman, it cannot be denied, even with in the New Testament with Aquila and Priscilla. You know, there was a very astute, learned uh, man that ran into Aquila and Priscilla, both of them as a team, that, that ministry teaching team, and God used Priscilla to take this man who was very well established in the Word to another level. And so it's a spiritual principle. Um, I also list the demons that are assigned against women ministries. It's very important to understand that, that that whatever God has, the devil has a counterfeit. 
And so as we get that balance to know that, yes, God used women, but this is my belief, and I teach this. There is no evil in the earth realm like an evil woman because using the power that God gave her wrong can be a horror. And that's the, that's the other side to that thing. <laughs> and it would, take, it would take a woman to say that. You know that? Mm. And it comes even better from a black woman. See, when I was overseas and all of that, I never, you know, we didn't see black, we didn't see color, we didn't. But when I got into politics, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I, I don't get into the black-white thing, but it's an issue that has to be dealt with. I, I met the spirit of racism like never before when I got into to the political arena. Racism is a strong man in the political arena. And that's why, because I'm used to just dealing with people they want to attack me. Oh, she's with the white people. She's with the, this people. You know, I'm just with people. And I don't call uh, white people certain names when they're not around. I don't do that. And my children don't do that. But we have learned racism on another level. And I can come back and tell my Christian brothers and sisters when I used to say, oh, you know, that is. No, no, no. I, I, I preached on ricochet racism, you know, when black people can become so hurt and so injured that they become worse than what they've experienced because you shouldn't do to others what the way you don't want to be done and people become uh, offended and they begin to offend and they become the races that they accuse others of and there's no shame in my game about that but I say unto you the demon that I've met in the church was the religious spirit. And the demon that I met on the political side was the spirit of racism. But I praise God for the relationships and for the bridges and for the gaps that God have been able, been able to allow me to get in to make up the hedge in this area. Amen. Well, folks, uh, this is Kimberly Daniels, and she is the author of a number of books. One of them we've been touching on, Breaking the Power of Familiar Spirits. She has a website, by the way. It's www. Well, you know what? I don't want to send them to the website because the website is under reconstruction. What I would like for them to do, if you don't mind, okay. is to come to my Facebook and like and follow my Facebook. That's where all the devil worshipers, that's where all of the, the, the atheists, that's where all the the white supremacists, the whatever, that's where they come when I do something. And they attack. And, and the great thing is that the people of God, I got over 40,000 people following me, but the people of God, we don't respond to devils. They just, they when I tell you, they call me, and this is just in spurts and spouts. And they, when, some of the things they've said to me, I have to delete it. And some of the names they call me is just like unimaginable that people could even say it out of their mouths. But I need, for the backing of the church, just just your presence. We don't argue and go back and forth with devils, you know. You know, God me put put me in a position. I'm gonna make laws and obey Him and do what He called me to do and keep looking forward and not on every side for every devil worshiping atheist and person people that don't believe uh, that God can use people in a political or, or people in the political arena. I need you to go to state rep. This is not a state site. It's the name of my Facebook is State Representative Kimberly Daniels. State Representative Kimberly Daniels. And you can follow me and like the page 
and watch me. I'm right now up for re-election. This is a glorious time because God, you know he's working signs, wonders, and miracles in my campaigns, okay? So I'm up for re-election coming up soon. So pray for me. Watch as well as pray and come on my Facebook and I would love to be your friend and surely like my page. Yeah, you know what? I really enjoyed this interview with you, and um, you're the kind of person I might want to hang out with sometimes. So <laughs> hopefully our paths will cross again. Thank you so much. <laughs> hopefully. Oh, amen. All right, folks, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus